all that God will do through that to help us learn to love our neighbors a little bit more. Sounds simple, doesn't it? But it's not always that simple. Um, some of you remember Michael. Michael uh, was our missions pastor here for a number of years and now leads a church called Arcadia City Church, and we're in this collective uh, together. And so all three churches, Desert City, Ar- Arcadia City, and McDowell Mountain, I'm, I'm thinking we might need to change our name to McDowell City so that we fit with all the city churches. Uh, but we work together, and we're doing some things together, and it's so much fun to work on planning sermon series, and we're, we're walking through these things together. So next week, uh, we're going to begin that, which I'm excited about. Hey, you got an impact report in your hand when you walked in. Have you, have you thumbed through some of it a little bit? If you get bored during the message, this is good material to look at. Um, as, as you want to walk through. But we want you to take this home as well. We're going to look at some of this this morning as we walk through our, our uh, looking back and celebrating all that God has done and looking forward to what he's calling us to in this next year. Uh, yesterday was uh, the, the many across the globe celebrated the Chinese New Year. Did some of you watch some of the coverage of that or see any of that? Yes? No? Some? Maybe? You know what the year is this year? It's the year of the Rooster. Some of you knew that. The year of the rooster. I thought, that is awesome. It's the year of the rooster. And, and I began to think, um, as I heard that over the last couple of weeks, that it's going to be the year of the rooster, I began to think, what does that say to me? Like, what does that say to us? Not that I put a whole lot of things in um, the year of animals or anything like that, but I began to think about the year of the rooster. And uh, I want to begin this morning uh, with a little passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to end with another passage of Scripture, but I think it kind of frames who we are as a church and what we want to be about. So there's this story uh, in, in Scripture, and it's, it's in Jesus' final week, and uh, Peter is with Jesus, and, and Peter kind of makes this declaration that I'll, I'll, never, I'll never leave you, you know, I'll, I'll never forsake you, like you're, I'm with you to the death. And Jesus says to him, you know, the night that he's betrayed and, and taken, he said, actually, before the rooster crows three times, you will have denied me, right? Before the rooster crows, you'll have denied me three times. Peter's like, oh, that would never happen. But he does. He denies Jesus. He denies that he knows him, that he knows anything about him, right? So this rooster um, almost awakens Peter to this, this, this statement that Jesus makes, that you will deny me. But we all know that that's not the end of the story, is it? Like, he, he, he denies Jesus, but then after Jesus is resurrected, Jesus walks up to Peter, and three times he asks him, almost reinstating him, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And it's like Jesus saying, I'll never give up on you. It doesn't matter what happens. I'll never give up on you. Now, that's a good story, isn't it? That's a good story for us. That no matter how many times we turn our back on God or that we go in the opposite direction, or no many, no many t- how many times, it doesn't matter, that, that, that God still loves us. And as I thought about this idea of the year of the rooster, I was thinking about 2016. And uh, 2016 was an interesting year for us as a church, wasn't it? Yes. If you're new, you might be wondering, like, what, what do you mean? It was, an, it was just a different kind of year for us as a church. For me personally, um, it was w- one of the most difficult yet fulfilling years of my life. And in some ways, um, I would say 2016 was the year of the rooster for me because I think it was an opportunity for God um, 
to get a hold of my heart and mind in a way that, that he didn't have before. And I found myself, um, I've shared this story with you, I, I found myself face to face with my own brokenness. And in some ways, my own denial of what God had called me to be and, and, and to do. And uh, what, what do you do? What do you do as a person? What do you do as a church? What do you do as a family when you're, when you're staring into the mirror at who you really are and it's not pretty? What do you do? And uh, I think many of us, myself included, we tend to hide from that, right? We, we, we tend to to want to cover that up and, and not let anybody else see that and, and, and try to hide it from God. But, but the reality is God wants us to turn back and run toward Him. And He's the God who always has open arms. And I think Robin and I experienced that in a new way this last year. The God who, who never gives up and the God who, uh, just like He did with, with Peter, the God who welcomes us back into His family. And so 2016, for, for many uh, for us, for sure, and, and it, it was like welcome home, right? It was welcome home, and, and I am so grateful for the challenges because it's through the challenges that God shapes us and molds us, and we become who we are. And uh, for this church, 2016 was a tough year, right? Uh, there were many difficult moments in this last year, but through it all, God is faithful. Can we say that? Can we say that God is faithful? Um, and that God continues to love and pursue all people in this world, all people. Uh, no, one, no one excluded from that. Uh, last, last week, we, we wrapped up a series. Um, we're talking about rhythms, right? Sacred rhythms, these sacred rhythms. And last week, specifically, we talked about the church and the ancient church and how the ancient church had these three spiritual rhythms, these three sacred rhythms that I think reverberate even to today. And uh, one of those rhythms was the, the, the rhythm of what was called the apostles' teaching. I think today that's Scripture. We have Scripture as the apostles' teaching. And so the ancient church, and I think our church, is committed to Scripture, to the apostles' teaching, to, to learning more about who God is, who Jesus was, and how it, how it is that we are to follow Him and to pursue Him in our lives. So this sacred rhythm of the apostles' teaching or Scripture. There was also this sacred rhythm of, of meeting together, of, of life together and community. And I think we have this sacred rhythm of gathering on Sundays. And uh, what takes place in, in this gathering, hopefully, is something that is moving you and changing you and transforming you and, and, and maybe changes the trajectory of your, of your life Monday through Friday. My hope is that God does that in you and in me. There's this, this sacred rhythm of gathering together and all that takes place. Um, but there's also a, a sacred rhythm of gathering around the table. Now, we talked a little bit about food last week and uh, the sacredness of, of the table to eat together. I think there's a sacredness of playing games together. Um, like I said, for my parents, there, there were evil card games, but then Rook, I guess, was a sacred game that they played with, with other friends. I think when we sit around the table and we play games, there's something there's something sacred about that when you're smiling and laughing with other people and you're engaging in their life. And then the third sacred rhythm. So there was the, the, the sacred rhythm of, um, of Scripture, of gathering together. And then the third sacred rhythm was, was the rhythm of prayer. And I think sometimes we fail to realize how important prayer is. Prayer is that, that connection point with our Heavenly Father. It's that conduit that's opened up between us 
and Him. And it's not just this like smorgasbord of us just throwing our needs before Him, as important as that is. It's, it's also us listening and being transformed by Him, changing us, uh, maybe redirecting us to a, a, a new path or a, a new direction in our lives. So these are these sacred rhythms um, that, that we live out as a church, and, and they began hundreds, a couple thousand years ago. Now, just to remind us who we are as a church, and I think we were reminded of this in 2016, we are a community following Jesus, right? This is who we are. We, we are a community of people. Uh, in other words, we're, we're together. Uh, we, we talked about this word last week, homothumadon, which is this, this idea of we are with one breath. We are passionately uh, moving together. We're a community. And, and where are we going? What are we doing? Do we just gather to practice some religious activity? Do we just gather to, to pass some baskets and take up some money? What, what, what are we doing together? Well, we're following Jesus. Like, that's our direction. With, with all that we are, with, with all that we're focusing on, we want to follow Jesus. Now, why would we want to do that? Why would we want to follow in the ways of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus? Because we believe that life is found in Jesus Christ. We believe that the best way to live is following in His footsteps. We believe that He was the perfect picture of love and grace from a heavenly Father, and we want to live in that same manner. Can I get an amen? amen. We are a community following Jesus. That's our, that's our identity. That's who we are. Uh, I, I would love for this to be a part of our, our framework of, of, of communicating when people say, well, what kind of church are you? We're, we're a community following Jesus. You know, who, who is McDowell? McDowell is, is a community of, of people who are broken and messed up, but trying with the best of their ability to follow in the ways of Jesus. I, I would hope this would become something that begins to, to mark us. So that's our identity. What's our mission? Our mission is to, to, to grow in our love for God and our love for other people. If Jesus said this was the most important thing, then it's the most important thing. So we want to learn, what does it mean to love God more, and what does it mean to love each other more? How do we do that? And as we are learning this together, this is the process called, if you've been around the church for a while, it's the process called discipleship, growing in our love for God and for one another. And, and then as we do that, we want to invite other people to follow Jesus with us. We're not closing the doors saying we're full, you can't come along on this journey. No, no, we're inviting people to follow Jesus with us, to explore who Jesus was. Um, you remember when Jesus called his first disciples, and they were out fishing, and as they were fishing, Jesus said, hey, I don't, you're not going to fish for fish anymore. You're now going to fish for people. Like, I, I want you to come with me and, and invite other people on the journey with you. That's, that's part of our call as a church is to invite other people. So we're, we're a community following Jesus. We're growing in our love for God and for others while we invite other people to join the journey with us. Now, what's our strategy? And this is all in that impact book that you have. What's our strategy? Our strategy is to gather the people. We, we believe God has always been about gathering a people together, that we're not in this alone. We're not isolated in our journey. But so we're gathering the people. We're helping turn hearts and minds back toward God, including our own. We're trying to, we're trying to turn ourselves back toward God and to, and to focus on Him. We're learning to love other people with no strings attached, like with no expectations of anything in return, and then we're, we're, we're learning what it means to multiply our faith beyond this place in the world in which we live. Um, sometimes faith 
not for this church, so you guys can just listen in on this, but uh, not for us, but sometimes faith gets, gets uh, relegated to Sunday morning. So we think our faith expression is all about Sunday morning, and so we gather on Sundays, and Sunday is church day, or, and so I go on, on Sunday. That's my faith. But, but the truth is, faith is lived every day of the week, seven days a week. And so we're learning what it means to multiply, to take what happens here and allow it to, to permeate every bit of our lives outside of this place. That's, that's what it means to be a community following Jesus, not to just do something one day a week and trust that that's enough. Uh, I, this, is, this day is kind of like a state of the church. Um, sometimes I watch, you know, state of the union address and um, the president's oftentimes interrupted by people standing up and clapping. I thought about asking you to do that, but <laughs> it felt weird to, like, say, stand and clap now. Uh, it felt weird to do that. And, um, but it's kind of like a state of the church. And I, as I was thinking about the state of our church, I was thinking about the state of the church in general, at large, in the world around us. And do you know that, that the state of the church in America has been in massive decline for the last few years and continues on that same path? That one of the things that, that I love to see is that as the, the state of the church in the United States has declined, did you know the state of this church has gone in the other direction? That, that, yeah, that God... Now, don't, don't feel like you have to do that because I just mentioned like standing up and clapping. But the state of this church has gone in the, the opposite direction as, as the trend that we see in culture. That, that God is continuing to increase both the footprint, the physical footprint, but also the engagement of McDowell in the community at large. And that is something to celebrate as a church, that God is giving us a larger voice. But with that comes great responsibility. Like, God just hasn't increased our footprint and, and, and our engagement in this community, but He also gives us a great responsibility. We hold, we hold the message of grace and love and truth. And with that comes this great responsibility to steward it well in the world in which we live. There's this, uh, there's, there's this moment, and I know I'm throwing a bunch of different scriptures. Don't look them up in your Bible right now. Go find them later. But there's this, there's this moment where Jesus is going after the religious leaders, and he says to them, he literally says, you have the keys to the kingdom at your disposal. In other words, you've been given, you've been handed the keys to God's kingdom here in the world. And, and Jesus indicts them and he says, what's terrible is like you close the door to God's kingdom rather than opening it wide. You, you close the door to God's kingdom rather than opening it wide. And then Jesus says, what's worse is you yourselves failed to enter in. It's like you've been given the keys to this great treasure. And, and, and rather than going in and experiencing it and then inviting everyone to come with you, you actually lock the door and close it fearful that someone who, who doesn't deserve it will go in, right? Look, God, God hasn't given us the keys to the kingdom to, to, to judge who deserves God's grace because no one deserves God's grace, but everyone is invited to the table. God gives us the keys so that we might throw the door open and, and, and allow anyone who honestly wants to pursue him to come in, right? So our gathering, like this Sunday morning gathering for me, this is the place that, that, I would, that, that I would hope becomes a safe place for anyone to gather, anyone who is interested in, in pursuing faith, anyone who is, who is interested in turning back to God. This would be the place that, that I would hope that we can invite anyone, no strings attached, come in, 
be a part of this. Sunday mornings um, around here, Sunday mornings are about gathering to turn our hearts and our minds toward God. And I, and I would say no matter where you find yourself, we want this to be a safe place for you. We, we want this to be a place where you can explore who God is and who you are and how that relationship works. Uh, worship, we want to, to, to be a, a time that, like I said, that we reframe the world around Jesus, not the other way around. We, we want it to be this, this time when we can, we can zero in on what's most important and then allow that to sink in so that we live it every day of the week. Um, looking at just some, some stats, the, the, um, the state of the church in the United States. 75% of people in the United States claim to be followers of Jesus. 75% of all people in the United States claim to be followers of Jesus. Less than 30% attend or engage in any kind of gathering, any kind of community. Less than 30% one time a month. So it's not like every week. It's like the the bar is like so low, like one time a month, less than 30%. 75% believe that they're following Jesus, but they have no action, no no community gathering that, that reflects that in their lives. And, and we want this gathering to be open wide for the masses to come in, to hear about God, to receive His love and His grace, to be reminded that you are not alone, that God is making all things new. Now, that's something, that's something that we want to be about. Now, you might look around the room this morning. You can, you can do that if you want. Look around the room, and you might think, are we getting full? Like, are we, this morning we have a few scattered seats in the room, but is this room becoming a little bit more difficult? I think one of the biggest challenges and questions for us in this coming year is what we will do to, to continue to allow God to increase the voice that he's given us in this community. This building was, was built with, with expansion in mind. So if you look to, to, to the back, those black walls in the back of this sanctuary, those were built as temporary walls to be taken down. And in this next year, I think we're going to wrestle with the, the, the question, do we want to go ahead and take those walls down and expand this sanctuary? The plans expand the sanctuary from 300, there's 310 seats, fixed seats right now, from 310 seats to about 750 seats. So it's a huge expansion. Now, with that, there's a, there's a great cost with that, obviously, as there is with, it, with everything. So $700,000 to a $1 million, we're just going to have to decide, do we want to begin that expansion in this next year? And uh, I think God wants to continue to increase our gathering. And as long as he does that and he leads us, we will take the next right steps uh, in, that, in that pursuit. Children's ministry. Um, I love our children's ministry. Look at those kids. I, I love that, that our children's ministry is not child care. I love that it's ministry. I love that we are building a foundation of faith in the next generation. Um, look, I believe what we are doing today is that we are planting seeds in the hearts and the minds of young kids, and we are watering those seeds, and we're trusting that God will cause them to grow. If we don't do that, we will lose the next generation. We, we, will, we will find ourselves, if we don't steward what God has given us, if, if we don't take this responsibility seriously, listen, the world will plant seeds in them. Do you believe that to be true? 
Yeah, so we've got to do that. Um, we're expanding our children's ministry. If you haven't noticed, we've built a whole building for them. Uh, it's like over 100% capacity increase over in children's ministry. You know what we need over there now? We need you. We need some of you. Some of you who would be so passionate to say, I want to do everything I can to create an environment where kids can receive the truth of God and then water that truth so that it might grow. So we need some of you to be a part of that. Uh, our children's ministry is, is going to be one of the best places on Sunday mornings in this city to be. And we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of planting those seeds. Our student ministry, one of the things I love about our student ministry and what Matt has been creating and Leah has been creating is we want kids, students specifically, to move out of the shadow of their parents' faith and begin to own their own faith. Listen, when, when students go to college, they will come face-to-face -face with many questions about what they believe and how they will live in this world. And they will not be surrounded by a group of people who have the same values and beliefs that, that we do. And so we want in these years, from middle school through high school, we want to surround these students with adults who care about them, who love them, and who are also helping them to know what it means to not just live in the shadow of their parents' faith, but to then own their faith, to understand the relevance and why it matters as they walk through life. We want to help partner with parents in, in doing this with students. Now, here's the reality. The, the reality is that even if, if, if we all, so I have three kids. If, if I come to church every week this year, that means my kids will get 52 hours of, of this planting of seeds and watering of seeds and those sorts of things in this place, right? The reality is I have a little bit more time with them at home to invest in them than the church has. And so we want to create this partnership, this beautiful partnership between church and home, because we know that, that it, you, in, in 52 hours, you don't have enough time to really plant a lot of seeds and, and, and watch them grow. So we want to partner with parents to do this. Uh, now, that's if you come to church every single week, 52 weeks a year, then we have 52 hours. But the reality is uh, they, they say that the average Christian family, active Christian participating family comes twice a month which means we have 26 hours now, 26 hours a year to invest in them. Look, look, if you have students, if you have kids, bring them as much as you can bring them. And it's not about just bringing them for religious activity. It's because we want to plant seeds of faith in their lives that God can make grow so they can own their faith. I love it. Community life. So Cameron's been doing a great job with community life. Um, Sunday mornings are the beginning. We believe life best happens around a table, eating, opening up scripture, praying together. And so we want to create as many opportunities in community life for this to take place. We want to become disciples of Jesus. We want to be following Jesus in all ways that we can. We, we, we believe support happens best when you know the people around you, right? Um, missions. I'm going to try to work through this quickly. Missions. I get so passionate about mission because I love the idea that we get to partner with God and what he's doing to redeem and restore all things. Um, Something that's hard to even talk about for me is the, the fact that in this last year, our missions giving slipped to one of the lowest levels that it's been in, in previous years. And some of that was because of the challenges that we went through. Um, but our commitment 
is to, to reverse that and to get back where we want to be, which is at least 10% to go to, to missions, both locally and globally. And Joe is doing an unbelievable job helping us get to that place. Now listen, um, I'm not going to get political, I promise. That'll wake some of you up, just me saying that, won't it? I'm not going to get political, but this last week there were some things that happened that caused a lot of Christians on both sides of the issues, so again, I'm not, I don't want to get political, to question the, the, the concept, the idea of, of refugees and what we are to do as the church and what kind of people we're to be and, and who we are to be as a nation and all that. I don't, I don't want to wade into that because that's a dangerous place to go right now for me. But here's what I do want to say, is that regardless of your views on what we do as a country, we as followers of Jesus are called to stand with the marginalized of this world. And though sometimes we feel like it's so far away and we don't know how to do that here in, in Phoenix, there are a lot of refugees in Phoenix, but though sometimes we feel like it's so far away and we don't know what to do, we are partnering with an organization that is on the front lines of the refugee crisis in the Middle East. We're increasing our support of, of Heart for Lebanon. Heart for Lebanon works with over 3,000 families who are refugees leaving Syria and Iraq. We're partnering with them to help them build uh, this, this, this community project in the Bekaa Valley. There's over 17 uh, tent cities that have been put up for refugee families. They're working with them to bring them food and education and then assimilate them into life in Lebanon. We're working with them. We are, we are working directly with the Oldham family. The Oldham family lives in Cairo, Egypt, which is one of the most dangerous places to live, and he's working with pastors throughout the Middle East and Northern Africa to help churches know how do we deal with the refugee crisis. There's a lot of things that we can't do, but what we can do is support what God's doing there, right? We can be a part of what God's doing with refugees today, and so that's what we're doing globally. We're doing a lot of things locally. We're working with schools, teach one to lead one. Uh, you can look through your book and find all those things, but we want to partner with what God is doing both locally and globally in the church. The church is a, is a local entity, but it's a global reality that we're a part of. Millions of people are a part of this. Uh, multiply. Let's talk about multiply real quick. Some of you have questions about the new building, right? We, we wanted to do this, uh, this expansion debt-free. We did not want to take on long-term debt and, and hope that somebody else would pay for it. We wanted to pay for it ourselves, right? You guys have been incredibly generous. Um, just as a, as a picture from last year, you guys gave over uh, $624,000 towards the building fund so that we could do this debt-free. Our final payments in 2017, we believe are going to be estimated right around $400,000. And if we're able to get there, that means 100% of that building and all the finishings, uh, the furniture, everything in there will be debt-free. No long-term debt for our church. Now, can we celebrate that? You guys are like, you guys are like, quiet. That's, that's, that's unbelievable Like that, that we were able to do that in the last few years, that we, we raised over $3.5 million to build that building. And like I said, we're just a little bit away from, from being able to move in there debt-free. Okay, so here's the date. Write it down. April the 2nd is the grand opening and the move-in date. It's a Sunday morning. It's going to be an awesome day. We're going to have food trucks. Who likes food trucks? Okay, for the 15 of us, we're going to have food trucks for us. Uh, we're going to jump into the food truck thing. There'll be inflatables. It's going to be a great day, but it's going to be the grand opening that we open the doors for the first time to be in that building, and it's going to be awesome. So multiply. 
we're continuing to, to work that plan. Here's our financials from this last year. Now, this is the boring part of the business meeting, I know, the financials. Some of you like finances, some don't. Uh, in 2016, our giving was $1.9 million. $1.9 million. $1.9 million. Awesome. Our expenses were about $1.3 million, a little bit above that. That's our approved budget for next year is about $1.5. And the increased expenses in that primarily were to get us back on track with our mission partnerships, which we are absolutely committed to. And the second part is additional building overhead. We're doubling our space, which means our expenses are doubled, right? So there's some challenges there. there that's, a, that's, a faith, uh, that's a faith goal to get to that $1.5 million, but we believe that God will provide everything we need to do exactly what he's called us to do. So we're inviting you to be a part of that journey. All right. Man, I talked way too much today. I'm so sorry. Can I end with the passage? Can I open up God's word real quick? Is that okay? I'm, so, I'm, I'm thankful that you guys are more excited about that than any of the church business, that we're get, we get to open up God's word together. So I'm going to finish with this. I started with this, this picture of the rooster, right? And, and the story where God... Uh, redeemed Peter, you know, restored him to what God had called him to. I want to finish with this, uh, this letter that, that Paul was writing to a, to a young church, and it's, it's called Colossians. It's one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. I, I love this, this book. It's pretty short. You can read it in a pretty short amount of time, but there's, in chapter 3, I think some, uh, some direction for us in this coming year. Did you, did you know we live in a pretty divided world? <laughs> that, a, that a world is, is, that, that is growing in, in this us versus them kind of a, a, a viewpoint. Well, this is what, what Paul wrote to the church, and I think inspired by God. It says this, since God chose you, since God chose you, now let that sink in, God chose you. He, he, he chose you. And he chose me. And sometimes, probably like you, I find myself going, why in the world would God choose me? But he did. He chose you. He thinks, he thinks you're worthy. He calls you his masterpiece. Since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves. Now, wait a minute. That word holy scares some of us, doesn't it? Like that, I'm not holy. That's like maybe Mother Teresa's holy. Maybe Billy Graham is holy. I don't know that I'm holy. No, no, no. He chose you to be the holy people that he loves. You know what the word holy, like literally, the, you know what the literal translation is? Uncommon. Now, let, let that set in. Since God chose you to be the uncommon people that he loves, like God doesn't want us just to go with the flow of culture. He wants us to be uncommon. He wants us to be set apart, different than the rest of the world. So since God chose you to be the uncommon people that he loves, here, here's the marching, kind of the marching orders. The, you must clothe yourselves. Put this on every single day. In, in a world that is trying to divide you, in, in a world that is, is dark, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 
would that be a great world if we all wore those kind of clothes? Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, unified together, you are called to live in peace. It's like a run-on sentence. And always be thankful too. It's like he keeps going. He can't stop. Let the message about Christ and all of its richness and fullness, let it fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankful hearts. And whatever you do, And whatever you say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. I think that's a good word. Yeah, I think that's a good word for us, that we are his people, and he's calling us to to take the message of Christ, to let let it fill us, and then let it overflow on the world around us. So whatever you do or you say, Whatever we do, whatever we say, whatever, whatever it is we encounter in this world, let it be as a representative of Jesus Christ himself. That's a good word for us this year. And I think if we do that, his kingdom will be expanded. His love and his grace and his mercy will be known by more people than know today who God is. We're going to sing one last song, but I know some of you are I know some of you maybe are ready to go, so if you need to slip out during this last song, that's okay. We want to sing a song that almost became kind of our theme song in the last quarter of last year, um, Good, Good Father. You remember this song? I love singing this song. Um, We're going to sing this song. I know some of you might need to slip out. We also want to just give you some space. This cross has become a place um, for many of us. It's become a place of, of, of redemption and a place of confession and so this morning, if, if you've got something heavy on your heart, on your mind, and you want to come to the cross, you can write something down and put it on the cross. Some of you, um, I find myself sometimes just wanting to stand in front of the cross and be reminded of God's love, His great love for me. So maybe you want to just come and stand at the cross. There's candles in the back of the room which represent God's presence, so maybe you want to light a candle and ask God's presence to be with you. Maybe you just want to sing. Maybe you want to close your eyes and pray. But let's, let's stand together and... Um, let's allow this to be our final, kind of our final words together, being reminded of our, of our Father who loves us. God, you are a good, good Father. And um, this morning, as we turn back to you, as we think about this past year, we are so grateful for your provision, your love, your grace, your mercy. Thankful that you pursue us in, in all ways. And God, as we look ahead at what you've called us to, we we pray that we would not sit. We we pray that we would would forget the past and that we we would run the race set out before us. God, thank you for loving us. May we be a people who present your grace and your love to this world. May we be representatives of Jesus Christ himself. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name.